Hello, my name is Rob Edwards, and this is my podcast. Welcome, one and all, to Storycast Rob, episode 30, the big three zero. Very excited to still be here with you, still bringing new podcasts to you every month, although sometimes later than others. Uh, we have a two, the first part of a two-part story coming your way today. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, but before that, the usual news cycle, um, I've got several quite exciting things to talk about today. Uh, first and foremost, I have released uh, my own Kindle anthology. Uh, this is called Storycast Rob Mic Drop. It is available from Amazon right now. Uh, in the UK, it's priced at one ninety nine. Uh, I think in the US, it's like two dollars sixty, something like that. Uh, it's got eleven stories in it, although some of them are very short. Some of them are flash fiction from the WordCamp podcast. Uh, but basically, eleven stories from me, uh, from my time reading to you on the podcast. So, if there have been stories that you've enjoyed on the podcast, you would like to be able to read. You can go and get that right now. Storycast Rob, Mic Drop by Rob Edwards, available on Amazon. However, it is worth noticing that I will be sending a free copy of that anthology to all of my $2 or more Patreon subscribers in December. So if you want a copy of that anthology and you want to support uh, the podcast, uh, you can go and join Patreon dot com slash storycast rob opt for the two dollar a month option and you can get your copy of uh, storycast rob mic drop for free or you can just go and buy it from amazon either way you're supporting the channel and i would be extremely grateful i also talked last month uh, you probably remember about my exciting new webcam uh, I have uh, managed to get a version now uh, which does not go out of focus all the time. Uh, so I am really trying to uh, expand my repertoire of YouTube videos. I have a couple of new ones up and out there right now, uh, both relating to Doctor Who. Uh, I'm talking about uh, my feelings about Doctor Who and uh, the first female Doctor and a review of her first episode. Uh, both those available on my YouTube right now. I'll put a link uh, in the description of this podcast. So if you want to go and have a look uh, at uh, my feelings on the matters Doctor Who related, uh, then by all means, please do so. So we have one new story for you uh, today, actually part one of a new story for you today, uh, and it is called Paint by Numbers. Uh, and it's a bit of a special treat, uh, I hope, because it is a prequel to a novel that I am at the moment trying to go out and sell to uh, publishers or find an agent to help me sell to publishers, uh, which I've talked about a couple of times before, my superheroes in space thing. Uh, and this is the backstory uh, to one of uh, the supporting characters in the novel who is a, a clone uh, called... Well, you can hear the story in a moment. I, there's no need for me to explain it to you. Uh, the story will do that for you. So without further ado... Uh, here is part one of Paint by Numbers. Part two uh, will be in next month's podcast. So part one of Paint by Numbers. At the six-month mark, they activated the language centre of his brain, and at last he could begin to make sense of the world around him. He floated in something called a pod, filled with synthiotic fluid. 
What Synthiotic meant, he wasn't sure, but it was the word for it. The things he enjoyed splooshing in the fluid were limbs, more particularly his legs, numbering two, and his arms, numbering four. The mask covering his nose and mouth meant he couldn't talk, but he was looking forward to trying that out when he could. A figure moved across the glass in front of his pod. It was bigger than he was, but had the same general shape. It was covered in cloth, clothing, a lab coat. His mind offered up the word doctor. It seemed to fit, so he went with it. The doctor moved to the side of the pod, out of sight. Focusing further out, he could see the back of another doctor working at another pod opposite his. That pod's synthiotic fluid drained away and its glass front swung open. Out of it stepped another shape, small compared to the doctor's, but if he was any judge, about the same size as him. The young? Yes, young. The young Brontum stood a little shakily on the lab floor and dripped synthiotic fluid. Was he a Brontum too? It seemed likely. The doctors, he decided, were Brontum, but older. The words kept coming. It was hard to keep them all straight, but if he concentrated, it made sense. He moved his head from side to side. There were other pods, other doctors, and young Brontum. All the younger ones were emerging from their pods. Emerging. The word triggered another part of his language centres, similar but different, something else he had seen. Up above his head, a lever with some markings on it. Letters. Words. Emergency use only. He tried the word emerge and the word emergency together. They seemed similar, but their meanings were different. But perhaps he didn't know all the meanings yet. Perhaps he should know. Perhaps that was why his pod wasn't open yet. Had the other Brontum known that they needed to pull the levers to emerge? He pulled his lever. His pod door opened up, and he was carried out into the world on a tide of synthiotic fluid. They marched the rest of the Brontum away while he stood shivering in a puddle of his synthiotic fluid. The doctor paced around him, a handheld scanner in his left hand, jotting notes on his data pad with his right hands. His scan completed, he pursed his lips. Well, for, the doctor said, you seem in good health otherwise. He. For? Four wiped fluid from his face and tried speaking for the first time. Otherwise? Four asked. The doctor tapped on his datapad screen for a full minute before replying. Here we are. Protocol 8321. Hmm. Yes? Hmm, okay. That seems clear. Yes. Good morning. I am Dr. 98. Good morning, Doctor, Four said. Uh, yes, right. You are Brontum clone designated 4,923,016,734. Later you can select a name that you are more comfortable with, but for this initial interview we will address you as Four. Is that suitable? Yes, Doctor. Good. We Brontum are a clone race, 
initially bred as warriors to fight in someone else's war. Now we are an independent civilization of our own. Each new member is grown in the clone vats to replace losses and meet needs determined by the council. Each clone is grown to match one of six archetypes. Administrator, scientist, craftsman, leader, crewman and soldier. While each of these are Brontum, the six archetypes have distinct differences from each other. Yes, Doctor, Four said. As Doctor 98 spoke, Four could feel memory pathways opening and connecting in his brain, allowing him to access information coded into his memory. Now he not only knew what the Doctor said was true, on one level he had always known it. You were grown as a soldier. When you reach full maturity next year, you will be stronger and tougher than Bronton from other archetypes, and your training will supplement your encoded skills to enable you to survive and prosper on the battlefield. As a soldier, you are one of the true heirs of the ancient Bronton clone warriors. Four felt a swell of pride. I will fight with honour to protect our people. Well, let's... There are problems to overcome. Problems, sir. Dr. 98 checked his data pad again. Let's go to my office. It's cold. We shall get you sorted with clothes. Four shivered again, but he was to be a soldier, and soldiers were tough, according to Dr. 98. I'm fine, sir. Hmm. Well, I'm not. I need a coffee. Sorry I can't offer you any, but you're at a tricky stage developmentally, and stimulants might complicate matters further. Come along, Four. There was something wrong with him. If he was fine, he would have been marched off with the other clones. Something deep in his core told Four that special treatment was not the Bronton way. He sat in the waiting room outside Dr. 98's office, sipping a vitamin suspension. The doctor had been on his comm for half an hour, and there was no sign of his call finishing. Bored? Four picked up a handful of flimsy magazines from the waiting room table. The first page seemed to be a magazine about cooking, but Four had no idea if he was allowed to eat yet, so he put it down. The second contained financial information, reports and stock predictions. He tried skimming it, but it didn't hold his attention, so he let it fall to the table too. The third was more pictures than words. The title in bold letters across the top of the page said Atomic Force and showed a picture of a two-armed man punching another two-armed man in the face. The word POW exploded out of the contact. Four tapped the bottom of the page and advanced the story. The hero, Atomic Force, was a human who was protecting his city from a giant robot. He had too few arms and his skin was brown, not green like a Brontum's, but he was there to protect his people, just like a Brontum soldier. Perhaps this was a training manual. Four read on. Sometime later, Dr. 98 tapped Four on the shoulder. Come into the office. We've reached a decision. Four put down his comic book. He'd finished 12 issues of Atomic Force and had moved on to stories about a team of superheroes, the Stellar Seven, each with different powers, abilities and origins. They fought to protect their people, even though their people didn't trust them. It was very exciting, but some of the characters were a bit sulky for Four's liking. 
the doctor took him into the office and pointed to a chair. Take a seat, Four. By now I'm sure you are wondering what's happening. I'm sorry, but I have bad news. Something went wrong during your growth cycle. We can't be sure exactly what. The audit teams have analysed the records from your pod and can see no anomalies. But something happened, and now we must deal with it. Fuller's heart sank. What happened? Am I going to be okay? Dr. 98 leaned forward, bracing against his desk with his lower arms, lacing the fingers of his upper hands together. Four, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you're a centimetre too tall. Four wasn't sure how to respond to this news. We have hopes that this problem may be self-correcting, as you will have six more sessions in the maturation pods before you are full-grown, and several of my colleagues believe your problem could settle down. But the possibility exists, of course, that further growth cycles might even exacerbate the problem. If your growth hormone overproduces again, it's possible you might grow to even 10 centimetres above the norm for full maturity. I don't really know how much that is, Four said. Without a word, Dr. 98 held up his lower left hand, thumb and forefinger about 10 centimetres apart. People will see, said Four. Yes, if we assume the worst, you could grow into the tallest Brontum ever. People will see. Four felt cold, despite his new clothes and the warmth of the office. Will I still be able to be a soldier? We'll need to monitor muscle mass and bone density, but it's not impossible. Your other system should grow to compensate. The greater concern would be finding equipment that fit you. Armour might need to be... The doctor hesitated, gulped. It's possible it would need to be specially made. What are my options? Well, we can adjust the growth cycles to attempt to compensate. It's highly irregular, but we can have specialists monitor you and your progress throughout. It's not the end of the world. Every archetype has specialists. Perhaps a specialty could be found to meet your disability. Aberration? Mutation. Difference. I'm sorry, the language is very tricky. For stomach, still not fully functional, churned. Why... Why couldn't you correct this before? We made every effort to adjust during the primary cycle, but that is such a delicate process any interference could have been catastrophic. We did consider termination early on, but of course we wouldn't be able to return your mutated biomatter to the clone vats for reuse. It would simply have been a waste. The decision to continue was mine. I hope you can forgive me. Four shook his head. As his first conversation with any kind of cognition to process it, this was heavy. I thank you, Doctor. I think I prefer to be alive. So, as I say, the decision has been made. We will be returning you to the clone barracks for training, and we will do what we can during your subsequent maturation cycles to make corrections. It is important for your development and the rest of your VAC group that you minimise exposure of your difference. Is being different so very bad? Of course not, For Every adult Brontum is his own person. Experience shapes us. You will find we are all quite different people from each other. 
But this first cognitive cycle outside the vat is where we brontum are our most susceptible to outside stimuli. It is vital that we control inputs available to ensure each new clone has a stable personality matrix. I really shouldn't be giving you this much detail now, as knowing it could affect your development, but I think it only fair to you. Brontum, young Brontum in particular, are very sensitive to difference, and as your VAT group are yet to fully develop socially, your difference will be as difficult for them as for you. I shall try not to upset them, Four said. Good lad. Doctor 98 led Four through the barracks. They passed row after row of bunks with regulation corners tucked and smooth, a footlocker at the end of each bed. The symmetry was perfect and gave the optical illusion that they stretched off to infinity. The cluster of newly birthed clones was a hundred strong, but still managed to all but vanish in the endless hall. Sergeant 1213, the doctor asked, approaching the only other adult Brontum in sight. Doctor, I bring you your last recruit. Apologies for the delay. There was a, an issue with his pod. The sergeant nodded and pulled his data pad from his belt. This would be 4,923,016,734. Good. For a moment I thought we'd come up short on this patch. 98 gave a tight-lipped smile. I can assure you that did not happen. Four tuned out the adults and looked around at his vat mates. 99 identical Brontum, making their beds, then unmaking and starting over practicing the knife-edge corners that barracks etiquette required. Each clone was identical. Not just their size and shape, but their bred-in training, even their life experience to date, six months in a pod and two hours in the barracks. Every movement, as the Brontum folded and tucked, was in lockstep. Even as Four watched, he felt that flicker of memory, programming unlocked. No Brontum needed to be told how to make their bed, it was part of the package he was gifted with. But every soldier needed to practice the skill, to make knowledge into muscle memory. It was the first task of many to come that would reinforce what he knew into what he could do. He spied a lone bed, eight rows over, forlorn, unattended, and in a mess. And Four knew his place. Without waiting for orders, he stepped to the bed, waited for his vatmates to start the cycle again, and fell to the task with them, trying to catch the rhythm. It was not as easy as he thought. His first attempt looked neat and tidy, but lacked the millimetre precision expected by the barracks. Four was glad to strip the bed and start over. This time he kept half an eye on his neighbour, trying to judge what he was doing differently. But his movements mirrored Four's programme exactly as Four was doing. His second effort was no better than his first. Tidy, but not sharp. You're doing it wrong, hissed a cadet behind him. I know, I just don't know how. Don't think about it, said the cadet to his right. Just kind of zone it out and do it automatically. Okay, said Four, and tried again. But the exchange had cost him a second. He was behind the rhythm, and not just him. The two vatmates who'd taken a moment to try to help Four, they'd fallen out of step too. 
four snapped the sheet to the full extent of his reach, just as his memory told him to, and he realised his error. His reach was longer than it should be, a few millimetres, no more, but enough that his programming was at odds with his dimensions. He adjusted his grip by a tiny margin to correct, and leaned over to continue, but the damage was done. Around him, the uniform motion of the barracks fell apart, spreading in a ripple from Four's centre. The people closest to him fell out of step, and the people closest to them noticed and wondered and fell behind as well. The operation stalled. Cadets whispered. The entire barracks group fell into disarray. Sergeant 1213 looked up in surprise. By the vats, what's happening? Dr. 98 caught Four's eye, gave an embarrassed shrug, and beat a hasty retreat. The sergeant stalked over to the epicentre of the chaos and loomed over Four. What's going on here? Sorry, sir, I'll get the hang of it. I'm just a bit behind. Stand to attention when you address me, cadet. Sir, yes, sir. Four stood ramrod straight. That memory at least couldn't betray him. His form was perfect, shoulders back, spine straight, knees locked. What do you call yourself, cadet? Four, sir? Four? We have a dozen fours in the century. Pick another name. Er, uh, thirty-four, sir? The sergeant checked his data pad. Very well, that is unique in this batch. So, cadet thirty-four, you have a problem making a regulation bed. No, sir. I mean, yes, sir, but I'll get it. I think I know what I was doing wrong. The sergeant nodded. Just need more practice. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Sergeant 1213 walked away, barking orders as he went. Cadets, unmake your beds. Then fall into a line. We're taking you for your first meal. Cadet 34 will make your beds while you eat. And they will each be textbook. As the cadets filed out, the sergeant looked back towards 34. It dawned on 34 that he was still standing at attention, pulled up to his full height in precise parade form. Could the sergeant tell he was too tall? Even as he fretted, 34 could feel his shirt untucking from his belt, just a shade too short for him. His first day was not going well. He was alone in the barracks, and while most of his life to date had been spent alone outside the doctor's office and now here, it still felt wrong. Brontem were not meant to be alone. 34 sat on his bed and stared around the barracks, alone but different. He wasn't really a Brontem at all, was he? Damned forever to be one centimetre too much of him. It was so unfair. Just because he was different, what harm could he do? But his mere presence had disrupted the entire century, hadn't it? Did they have a point? No. Difference wasn't a bad thing, even for a Brontem. This was just like the Stella Seven. He would be here, different, apart, but looking out for his fellow Brontem. He wouldn't hide his difference, but he would try not to let it disrupt the others. And he could choose how he reacted to their reactions. Just like the Stella Seven, he could be sulky or not. He chose not. It took him five more tries to get the bed right. Once he had it, he went back to the first bed and started over. 
His programming wasn't wrong, it just wasn't adapted to his situation. So he would have to adapt instead. It was probably true of all of his implanted memories. He'd have to check himself on each new exercise, every new task. That's what he would do then. Stretch, fold, tuck, repeat. Stretch, fold, tuck, repeat. Stretch, fold, tuck, repeat. Take a break, cadet. 34 looked up, startled. He hadn't heard Sergeant 1213 return. Wasn't sure how long he'd been watching. But he stood a few rows over, holding a brown paper bag. You're tall, he said. Yes, sir. Don't go getting ideas. Bigger does not mean better. No, sir. I can't have you disrupting every task I set the sentry. I'm willing to give you a chance. But if I feel it's hurting the others, I will bounce you out of here so fast you will still be wondering what happened when you hit the moon. You understand? I think so, sir. Good. I brought you food. Don't expect me to be picking up after your messes every day. But mutant soldier or not, you're my responsibility. And a Brontum's first proper meal is too important to skip. Thank you, sir. The sergeant nodded sharply, dropped the bag on the bunk next to him. You finish this up after you eat. Your punishment stands, but once you're done, come outside to join the sentry exercise. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. The sergeant marched out, and 34 dived on the bag. Perhaps its contents could answer the hollow, churning sensation in his midsection. He had a feeling that was hunger. It contained a tube of water and three nutrient cubes, squidgy, off-white, and about two centimetres long, each in a clear wrapper numbered so he knew which order to eat them in. Thirty-four ripped open the first pack and sank his teeth into the cube. It yielded to his bite, sticky but firm. The taste was like... He literally had nothing to compare it to, but it was satisfyingly unremarkable. Refreshed after his meal, and with that churning sensation in his stomach quieted for the moment, Thirty-four returned to making beds, cheered by the knowledge that his sergeant was looking out for him. Somehow, word got around about Thirty-four's problem, despite his best efforts. Most of the cadets steered clear of him, but as personalities began to crystallise amongst the young clones, a few sought him out. A few as friends, some others not. Nice going, Giganto, said 828, as their group stood gasping for breath at the end of the forest assault course. Slowest time in the century. If you'd let me help the group over that wall climb, 34 tried to protest. Yeah, right, we'd have been the fastest, worse. The key to the success of the Bronton Warriors, 16 quoted, is that each knows the exact capabilities of his comrades. They know when support will arrive, know when to retreat or push on, because each soldier knows exactly what his unit will do. We were only two seconds behind, said 34. Two seconds that could get everyone killed, Sergeant 1213 said, flatly. Run it again. 828 shot 34 a look of loathing, but only said, Yes, sir. Squad, form up on me. We're running it again. On days like that, in the twenty minutes before lights out, which the sentry was allowed for personal time, 
34 would retreat into his comic books. The Stellar Seven were firm favourites, but he sampled titles from across the galaxy. It was interesting that these books celebrated differences. The winged polyphan species produced a book about a dark vigilante whose wings had been stripped from him and he had to fight crime on foot. The blue-skinned tech geniuses, the Zalex, created a superhero that used magic. Humans created heroes with every imaginable difference and variation. It was bewildering. The list went on. Every hero from every world was different, just like 34. If only superheroes were real. He could be a superhero. The first Brontem superhero. The century formed up in line and marched back to the med centre. They marched stoic and quiet, all except 34, who was trying his best not to bounce with excitement. Trying and largely failing. Three months. Three months of basic training, three months of being taller than everybody by a whole centimetre, of being the odd one out. And now is time for their second maturation cycle. And there was a chance that this could normalise him. He could go in a freak and come back out as a regular Brontem soldier. They lined up next to their pods, waited for the order to enter. 34 turned to his neighbour, 41, gave him a big thumbs up, all four thumbs. 41 laughed. Calm down, dude. Sorry, said 34. It's just so exciting. I know. I really hope you get what you want out of this. Thanks, 41. You've been a big help. The doctors and medtechs sauntered in and began prepping pods. Dr. 98 made straight for 34's pod. How are you, cadet? he asked. Fine, thank you, doctor. Excited. We have made a few changes to the mix for you. Best guess it will help. But since we're still uncertain of the cause of your growth spurt, there are no guarantees. I understand, doctor. I have a good feeling about this, though. I think it's going to work. Dr. 98 nodded, tapping the pod controls to adjust the mix. There you go. Good luck, 34. As a unit, the sentry stepped into their pods. Thirty-four grinned as the hatch closed, then placed the mask over his nose and mouth. Synthiotic fluid bubbled up around his feet. This was going to go well. He knew it. And we will leave Thirty-four in his pod, and he can emerge next month uh, in the November podcast uh, for Storycast Rob. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed... Uh, the story so far the second part is coming next month uh, that's it from me for this month uh, a reminder uh, the book is called uh, Storycast Rob Mic Drop it's available on Amazon right now I'd be thrilled if you were to go and buy a copy of that to support the channel that would be fantastic uh, or go join the Patreon patreon.com slash storycastrob uh, either way uh, it will help me be able to keep producing uh, new stories new podcasts uh, for you going forward and if you've got a Doctor Who leaning be sure to check out uh, my YouTube channel uh, for my Doctor Who related content there thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed that and I will catch you next time